and I'd like to call the HCDC meeting to order. Uh, agenda item number two, are there any edits or corrections to the minutes from September 21st? May I have a motion to approve the September 21st, 2023 HCDC minutes? So moved. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Uh, motion carried. Agenda item number three, uh, public comment. Are there any public comments for items not on the agenda? Uh, agenda item number four, uh, the Housing and Trust Fund of Johnson County Overview. I'd like to welcome uh, Ellen, the Executive Director of the Housing Trust Fund of Johnson County. Great. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell you a little bit about the Housing Trust Fund. It's kind of intimidating because one of the founders is in the room over there. <laughs> she knows more than I do, and I've been there five years as the Executive Director. So. Uh, it is a privilege to be here. Um, some of the projects that HCDC funds are also funded by the trust fund, so we're sort of doing the same work, but in parallel lanes. Um, so, Can I ask you to speak a little okay, or maybe pull it closer or something? Does this work? Yeah, you for can the room? move it okay. wherever's comfortable. All righty. So uh, I was saying some of the, the projects that you fund through CDBG and home funds are also receiving trust fund money or vice versa. And so we're doing kind of similar work. Um, uh, I'll point out the differences um, that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, the trust funds uh, uniqueness involves the flexibility of the funding. So it's, since it's not tied to the federal dollars, there's more flexibility. In fact, in our instance, if we award funding tomorrow to a group, the money is already available. They could get that money the next day if we got the paperwork all together. But so in, with the CB, CDBG and home funds, sometimes there's a lag. You can't begin the process of getting the funding until July 1st, and then you have an environmental study. And there's, there's different layers to the CDBG and home funds that don't exist with the, the trust fund funding. So um, the trust fund is part of the housing, City of Iowa City Affordable Housing Plan. And that plan dictates $1 million for affordable housing of city money on top of the CDBG and home money and things like that. So $500,000, according to the plan, goes to the housing trust fund to be made available for housing that is affordable. Is that every year? Every year. A okay. million dollars is part of their budget. Okay. And then out of that million, 500000 goes to the housing trust fund to make available. Cool. Then there's another $200,000 on top of that as part of the million, so we're already up to $700,000. That is specifically designated for low-income housing tax credit projects. So that's a federal program through the state of Iowa. The, the decisions are made at the state level, um, usually larger multifamily or larger senior housing than what CDBG and home funds touch um, and so $200,000 each year is earmarked for that purpose we don't always have applicants for that money and so we roll that money into the subsequent year and we did this and then we rolled it again 
um, for example, for the next senior project, which is currently being built right now on Herbert Hoover Highway. It'll be 36 apartments for senior citizens uh, 55 and older um, at various income levels. That the, ne <clears throat> the next? Next to next. Um, next to next. Okay. Next to next. Next senior. <laughs> Oh, next senior, because the senior. other is not just senior, okay. Next Thank seniors you. being built, and it should be available in a year from now, because they just began construction. So that project is receiving two years of LIHTC funding from the city of Iowa City, plus $720,000 from the trust fund. And it's a roughly $12 million project. So that, and that's for low-income seniors? Correct. All 36 units? All 36 cool. units. Cool. That's yep. great. Yep. So at, ranging from the lowest below 30% area median income up to 60 below 60% okay. of area Thanks. median income. There's one and two bedroom apartments in that coming. So very exciting. So this is $700,000 to the trust fund each year for housing that is affordable. And then um, the LIHTC is pronounced LIHTC, so that's at home. Um, with the new affordable housing plan that was put in place a couple of years ago that many of us served on, um, you had a representative from HCDC serving on that committee. Um, they, we asked, and, and the, the powers that be agreed, that if that money, that $200,000 is not used two years in a row, we can put it back into the general pot to not have money sitting there waiting for these large projects when the need is so great. So we, that, that was a win for us <laughs> to say, you just can't keep piling it up when, when we know that there'll be applicants. For Ellen, does that approval come from Iowa City then? The approval comes from the trust fund. From the trust fund, right. okay. So we have a specific winter round that's called LIHTC priority, and mm -hmm. that's just fair to all the applicants so that they know in the winter when we get the applications, we look at the LIHTC projects first. And if, if the LIHTC projects are viable, if they're worthy, if they're good, um, good characters, good, uh, good developers, um, then, you know, that will be the priority. But if there have been years, for example, when there were no LIHTC applicants, and so it would have been great to be able to put that money directly towards, but we have sure. a, a solution of sorts now that it just doesn't sit in the LIHTC pot. Good. So that's how the money comes to the trust fund from the city of Iowa City. We also receive funding from the state of Iowa. That was the original funding body. In 2002-ish, people like Marianne and Chrissy Canganelli from Shelter House and others saw that the state was going to be making funding available and formed the Housing Trust Fund. You have to, there's 27 trust funds in the state of Iowa. You have to be a trust fund in order to get the state money. So we receive roughly $450,000 from the state each year. Johnson County is our largest funding body, and they give 700,400, so $400 more than the city of Iowa City. Coraville and North Liberty also kick in. 
What's going on here, though, is because of these very smart people that set this up back in the aughts, all the money that's paid on the loans, principal, all the principal payments go back into the pot, and we make that money available in real time. So every penny of the principal that's been paid on loans at least has one more life, if not more. So it's brilliant. I'm so fortunate to have inherited this wonderful foundation that the smart people set up. Yeah, okay. Um, an overview of the trust fund. Uh, the mission, the only mission of the organization is to promote and support, promote, advocate, support, fund, housing that is affordable within Johnson County. Of course, we only use the city of Iowa City money within the city of Iowa City. Our vision is that everyone in Johnson County should have safe and decent housing that is affordable. Can I ask you if how your organization defines affordable, if it's any different from nope. any of the other bodies? We use the people should pay no more than 30% of their income on their housing costs. Is that before or after any kind of, of dedu allowable deductions? We don't do the deduction okay. route. So just straight 30%? Correct. Okay, thank you. So when people put in applications to serve individuals and tell us what they're going to charge to purchase the property or to rent the property, we get to see that the rent levels match up to the income levels that they're Sometimes it makes it really difficult for the extremely low income people absolutely. Oh, yes. to be absolutely. able to find housing. So. Absolutely. Disability, disability payment does not cover. No. There's, there isn't uh, an apartment available. Uh, Thank you for saying no. that. It's true. Right. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks. The other thing, part of your question is, the trust fund does nothing over 80% of the area median income. So you'll have a lot of people that go around talking about affordable housing, but they're talking about the term workforce housing. Yes, they are. Well, I'm it's familiar. Very, it's a misnomer because people at the below 30% are working. You know, it's this puritanical <laughs> And the hangover. workforce housing gauges by the, what is it? Um, set by HUD. I don't know what it is. Above eight, it yeah, goes up like, to 120. And they can charge oh, right. up to 900 some dollars a month. Right. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. Yeah. So, in terms of the trust fund, we're working with people who have incomes below 80%, for sure. And most of what we do, you'll see in a bit, most of what we do is well below 80%. So, the trust fund sounded, this is our vision, this is what we are striving for, that everyone have decent housing that is affordable to them. We have two main programs. We're going to talk about one this evening. We're going to talk about the revolving loan fund. Um, the other program is primarily outside of Iowa City. Iowa City has a wonderful owner-occupied rehabilitation program. Um, so the trust fund doesn't fund owner-occupied rehabilitation except through very rare instances with Habitat for Humanity. Trust Fund gives grants to Habitat for Humanity to go and help people with elderly ramps, bathroom remodels for accessibility, my floors, roofs, heating and air conditioning, plumbing, electrical, things like that. But most of that work is, again, outside of Iowa City. 
the overwhelming. So we help about 20 households a year with that through a variety of funding sources. We're talking about the revolving loan fund, and that's what I mentioned before. The principal that is paid on the loans goes back into the pot. It's magical. It's wonderful. And there are a lot of trust funds who do not do that. Here's your money. Goodbye. And so they're, they're not able to do as much as, as this specific trust fund. In terms of housing that is affordable, and I hate the words affordable housing, so I always try to say housing that is affordable. Because when we say affordable housing, well, what does that mean? Who knows? I um, dislike it greatly. Yes, also. Um, we have quarterly funding rounds. So my understanding is on most given years, you have one funding round in HEDC, but then you've had COVID and all these other things. Um, so w four times a year. So my stance is when the seasons are changing, the trust fund has money, you know. <laughs> and so four times a year we go through this process. Um, we fund creating units, so that means there's no housing that's affordable, and now there is housing that's affordable. So it could be a build or it could be a taking an, an existing unit and turning it into income restricted housing, um, preserving housing that is affordable. So we work with pr primarily with the housing fellowship. Um, they have rental units every 15, 20 years. The, the units wear and tear, um, need refurbishing, refreshing. So we're actively involved in preserving units that are affordable. We also do rent and deposit and shelter we help in those instances. So with rent and deposit, we had an ongoing relationship with Inside Out Reentry for many years, um, giving them $25,000 a year to use to help people coming out of incarceration because those individuals have zero access. They can't go to general assistance. They can't go, <laughs> there's just very little available and so they needed um, to get housing, rent and deposit assistance. So we did that. If, several years in a row and then we started to talk about what if what if you got your own place and now they have a transitional home with funding from the trust fund so pretty cool and then shelter um, the trust fund did not put money into the existing to build the existing emergency housing shelter did not put money into build the domestic violence shelter but have done renovations within those properties. And then now we have funded DVIP's new shelter with $750,000. Um, and uh, many, I don't, you don't call them shelter, but shelter house 501 project and Cross Park Place, housing first, um, in roughly in the close to $2 million for those. We have a website, and I direct our applicants, potential applicants, to our website. There's um, information about the current funding round when people go to the website. And there's the website address, htfjc.org. Um, there's a programs tab, and then that drops down into the revolving loan fund information. Um, it gives information on what's the current area median income levels, below 30 and below 80. Um, and um, when people apply for funding to the trust fund, um, there's several options on how that looks. Uh, so we have grants, 
and those are grants, here's your money, go do what you said you were gonna do, and that's usually for the acquisition of um, projects to serve people with the very lowest of incomes. So there's no housing, you're going to add housing, um, and, and here's your money. Um, there's loans, and we have different types of loans, so there's a forgivable loan, and this looks like, here's your money, go do what you said you were gonna do, and if you do that for as long as we, we agreed you were gonna do it, I wrote one today for 40 years <laughs> for DVIP, go do what you said you were gonna do, and at the end of that 40 years, you owe no money. However, if you decide to sell it, or if you decide to stop providing services, or whatever can happen, then we're gonna have to talk, and you're gonna have to pay back money. So forgivable loan. And then we have zero interest loans, um, so here's your money and you're gonna pay it back over an agreed upon amount of time with no interest. And then a low interest loan. So our low interest loans um, range from one to 4% and it really depends on the ability of the developer to pay it back. Um, we just had our most uh, loan with a 4%. Uh, that's a very large developer out of another state, they have 50 developments, they have the ability to pay back a I have a question. Yeah. So on your forgivable loans, yes. do you ever do declining balance forgivable loans? We have, but they're, they're very much have a headache for the one staff person. So for instance, yep. for DVIP, 750,000, right? Grant, forgivable loan, and repayable loan. Okay. 250, 250, 250. And the, the forgivable loan is for 40 years? Correct. So on their audit on their balance sheet right they're going to carry that amount of debt correct for 40 years correct okay similar to the cdbg i i always used to call them time mortgages kind of like i work it off in time as long as i own it um well the organization owns it so similar kind of thing i think then we do grant loan combos just like that dvip piece so DVIP got a $250,000 grant. That sends the signal to them like, we, we know this is needed, we know you need it, we, let's do this. And then we did a forgivable loan for $250,000 and they asked for um, an, a repayable loan. I didn't think they were gonna take the repayable loan, but they did, so. It, um, so you know, I, I, um, I like hearing that, I guess, the, um, because smaller organizations, I think, can be stopped, you know, by applying for loans. They often don't have a lot of assets, right. and so, um, I mean, my experience was the smaller the organization, the the less they wanted to do in terms of, you know, taking on um, some kind of activity. Because, you know, if they didn't raise enough money, and that can be tough in this town to do that. Um, they didn't have the ability or they didn't have the board that wanted to do that. So that, that's, um, I like hearing that, I guess. That, that's a and, great And option. the long loan terms make things pretty doable for, right. like a house yeah. with six people living in it and the payment to the trust fund is $400 a month. They're taking in $400 from each person. <laughs> you know, they, they, can, they can pay that kind of thing. Um, question on the low interest loans. So 
you, you mentioned that the principal goes back into the trust fund, but the interest does as well? No, the or? interest pays for the lights and the rent and the Ellen and the gotcha. health insurance and the paper and the ink. Gotcha. And the, okay. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it's going back to the to cause the, in some way. Correct. Yeah, okay. And, and it also goes to our ability to pay for, to do grants. Mm -hmm. Like our largest funder doesn't want us to grant money. So we can't use the county's money to grant. So if something, somebody wants something in Coralville on a grant, or it's kind of, <laughs> we need to other money. Gotcha. Were you going to say something? Okay. Um, so there's a, this is a cycle. We have it down to a T. So how it works is the operations committee of the board of directors rec looks at the cash flow, looks at the bottom line, and says here's how much we want to make available in this round. That committee has a CPA, a banker, uh, Simon from the fellowship, um, Realtor. developers. Huh? Realtor. Realtor, yeah, all sorts of, a lawyer, um, you know. And uh, then the board of directors comes up with an amount, um, and then I'm told to roll out the, the round, so I send out a press release, an email, I put it on Facebook, um, and, and make sure that all the developers that I've been talking with over time know that money is available. Um, then I offer a, what's called a funding 101 session. It's less than one hour long and it helps the applicants put together the best application possible. I also offer consultation, helping them decide what form, what terms, how long, um, what's the best possible. Um, application that they can have and I offer to review applications before they're finalized. Um, it's a customer service orientation. Uh, then there's a deadline, hard and fast. 11 o'clock, done. Um, I explain that they're competing against each other within the round. So you can have a great project. If there's five great projects, one of those great projects is not going to get funded. Um, then a distribution committee, which is made up of, again, developers, city officials, um, they review the applications and make recommendations to the full board about what should be funded at what level with, with, with which terms. And then the board determines the awards to be given. And then it's Friday morning, and then I get to contact people <laughs> and tell them you're funded. I mean, that's a fun thing by the way, very fun. And then I get to tell people, not so much. You don't, you know, here's, here's, here's another thing to think about. Things that influence the outcomes that applicants face, um, serving people with the lowest incomes, for sure. The lowest incomes, two applications, good applicants, the one that's serving the lower income is going to get funded over the other. Those applications that benefit people who have something else on top of just having a low income, such as a disability, are going to get a better outcome. New partners are favored by the trust fund. We would love to keep funding our old partners, but new partners get a, get a second look. We want to encourage the development of developers, if you will. Um, viable projects. What kind of success has the applicant had in the past? Do the numbers make sense? Um, are the rents affordable? Back to what we were talking about before. Does this really make sense for someone in this situation? Are they going to be able to pay 509 a month? 
leveraging how much money is the applicant leveraging and it used to be that points there was a point system where how much leverage was attached to each application um, generally projects that are leveraging more money get more but that's not true you'll see a, a project on a table in a bit that had no leverage and and was funded um, the appropriate term of affordability. So I have the mayor of Iowa City telling me that nothing short of permanent <laughs> is acceptable. <laughs> well, you can't get a developer to say it's going to be permanent in, in most instances. So I push, we push developers 10 years, 20 years. How long can we get for this property to be affordable by contract? Innovation. The trust fund values innovation. Um, and so that will will get um, a better outcome. Erica's now on this committee. Yay, Erica. Um, possible outcomes. So after it's over that Friday morning, I call people and I say, what you've applied for is not eligible for funding. A, you didn't talk to me. That's mm, not going to go well. And B, what you asked for is just not going to fly. Um, recently, we had an applicant who wanted to have the trust fund pay for mobile home units to sit on their land and supposedly at the 15-year mark, the, the tenants would own the units. Well, it's, there's no arm's length going on here. You can't be owning the land and owning the units and then telling us, not can't. Eligible for funding apply again. And I always tell applicants, this is good news. It doesn't sound that way, but it means they know you're coming back and they're going to remember that you're coming back. And they, they told me to say this. So funding on the horizon, if you will. Funded. Funded, but perhaps the terms are different from what they asked for. That's frequently people will ask for grants, even though I tell them not to, because they're not acquisition of property below 30% AMI. Um, the, then I give them an award letter that summarizes the terms being offered, which they can take to a bank and say, look, the trust fund's going to give us this. You know, we need more. Um, and then contingencies. So we place strings on the money and say, you need to get the other funding. Like with Inside Out, the, the terms were, you put in your application, you were going to raise 75000 Once you get that $75,000, we are a go. Or um, better, not better together, uh, Iowa City Sober Living, yeah. which is a new project. They they weren't a 501c3, and the trust fund said, get your 501c3, and then then, then we're moving. Um, so time frames. We, uh, projects take a long time, and so I want the money to move, as does the city and the county and the state. Uh, so sometimes I'll say um, the board wants you to spend the money by X date. This quick, is a list. Oh, sorry, quick question, yeah, by the yeah. way, if I can. Um, in the, you, you mentioned some organizations that might get an award and then they might be able to go back to another, to a bank and say, mm -hmm. how, do you often see a situation where your funding helps an organization get additional funding right. that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten? They can go back to right. their bank or the credit union and say, hey, I now have all this other funding. Does that change whether or not I can get Correct. financing from so you? So we're sometimes first dollar, sometimes we're last dollar. We don't care where we fit into that. But if someone comes to you as a body and says, the trust fund has awarded us $100,000 and we need 100 more, 
you know, that might be something. <coughs> so I see now that you have this also. I'll go faster. Um, this is a table of the projects that were funded, and I underlined funded. That meant I wrote a check this past year. So the, by the end of June 30th, seven projects serving 84 households. And I left this table. I could have just carved out Iowa City for you, but it was too easy to just do this because only one of the properties was in Coralville. So the trust fund wrote checks for 872000 That leveraged an additional $7 million in housing that is affordable. That's what we love. Types of funding. So this past year, what you just saw on that list, 42% went out in the form of a repayable loan. 17% went out in the form of a forgivable loan, and 41% went out in the form of a grant. This is heavily COVID-influenced, by the way. We're still in a COVID hangover. Developers, not so much. <laughs> don't really want to be building houses with labor shortages and material shortages and uncertainty. So a lot of the not-for-profits have been on the move here, shelter house, DVIP, and so forth. The income level served uh, this past year with that money, 98% of them were in the lowest income level, wow. below 30% AMI, and 2% were in the below 60% AMI, and that was a rehab project uh, two rehab projects with the fellowship, which does below 60% AMI. That's amazing. I know. That's amazing. I know. I should go back to this one. It's usually 85% loans, 15% grants. Okay? So this is Abby normal. Wow. But we're, do we're doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, so we saw that. And then the interest uh, investment by income level, so 96% of the money went to serve that lowest income level, and 4% of the money went to serve the below 60% AMI level. By breakdown of housing, 41% of the money went to shelters. So that's shelter house and DVIP. 53% went to new supportive. So that's like Systems Unlimited and Mayor's Youth, shelter house, supportive housing. And then 6% uh, went to the rental rehab, one project for systems and one project for the fellowship. And those are existing facilities that needed Correct. remodeling. Correct. Okay. Not remodeling, but rehab. Rehab, yeah. right. Different. The systems one was a, a matter of safety and right. how to bathe people in an unsafe sure. bathroom kind of thing. The return on the investment, this is my favorite part of the whole thing. Okay, the, the, the trust fund put out $872,000 into the universe, which represented 11% of what it cost to, for all the housing that was created or preserved. Gotta love it. Mayor's Youth, as an example of the new support of this past year, they purchased a house. This is a picture of the kitchen and a picture of the backyard. So is that for youth transitional? New, mayor's Youth is for people with disabilities. Disabilities. Mm -hmm. Like a transitional or? Resident, where they live. Okay. Rental. And how many people are in? Um, I would have to go back. I would say three. three. It could be four. Um, inside out, that new transitional that I referred to, um, it's, they have uh, been in the house. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, 
the house is uh, near to downtown and then it has a nice living room family room and a beautiful kitchen in the open house one of the residents had a note on the door that he wanted everyone visiting to know what the house meant to him a new start a supportive team nicer things than he's ever had in his life peace of mind for my parents <coughs> i was on the floor i was like okay you know <laughs> Can you imagine? Your child is coming out of incarceration and they're being supported in this fashion. It's just, okay. Um, these are the awards. So awards is different than funded. These are the commitments that the trust fund made in fiscal year 23, which ended on June 30th. So we made nine awards serving 100 households, seven in Iowa City, one in North Liberty, and one in varied locations outside of and then the type of award, loans, forgivable loans, grants, things like that. So $2 million was committed in the fiscal year 23, and the total project <coughs> cost for that housing is $25 million. So in this year, in this past year, the commitments were 45% loans, 22% grants, and 33% forgivable loans. Again, not our usual, but we, we're just doing what we can to keep getting housing out there. Um, the income levels to be served, only 52% of the people have the lowest income that, in, in terms of commitments, and 11% at the next level, which is still extremely low. 60% just low, low, and then the highest end of low, 2%. We do carry money, yeah? Um, one of the questions I have is about, um, for instance, a developer comes in and builds um, new apartments, and they say that they're going to offer this many units of affordable for X amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, do those developers oftentimes partner with other organizations or have individual um, point individuals toward places where there can be additional help with affording their rent? Yes. Okay. In fact, our the large developer that I made reference to out of Minnesota, their building managers are somewhat case managers, even though they didn't go to school officially for that. But when a tenant can't pay their rent, for example, they're they're the first to get them hooked up with resources. Well, that's nice to hear that there's support. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't as much as a, a true social worker case sure. manager, but yeah, it's in everyone's best interest. Yeah. Turnover is expensive. Turnover is inhumane. You know. And if they're getting their money from someplace, right. and they've right. got good tenants, why does that right. matter? Right. Um, yeah. So this is an example of how money just takes a long time sometimes for projects to come along. So we awarded. $720,000 to next senior three years in a row of them that's, not, not. That's the one on. Her that's coming on Herbert Hoover. Herbert Hoover. I, ha I have to say it really slow. <laughs> Herbert Hoover. But it didn't get funding at the state level. So we just kept committing the money. Mm -hmm. And then finally somebody that got money dropped out of the race. And so it finally got over the hurdle on the third year. So we had to, we carried the money for three years in the hopes that we could get this. Is this the senior living that I saw someplace and 
an ad that said that they were starting to accept applications even though it wasn't finished yet? They will not begin accepting. someplace in Coralville or North Liberty, maybe. I don't this know. next senior won't be accepting applications till next summer. Okay. Yeah. This is the next project is in Iowa City. Correct. Yeah. 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 I've been by when it was first built. The other with the the regular wonderful nuts. playground outside and the yep. kids enjoying it yep. and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And then Iowa City Sober Living, again, we told them they had to get their 501c3s, not-for-profit status. They had to raise money. Um, so it took a while. And then we didn't write the check until um, July. So we had to carry that money. Um, we're currently carrying about $3.5 million of projects waiting to be drawn. Um, the impact over the entire 19 years of the organization is that we've awarded more than $15 million. Uh -huh. And that has helped 1,143 households. Wow. So we're pretty excited. We're look, um, knocking on the door of our 20th anniversary with research that a former staff person did. We're going to know how much money we, in fact, have leveraged the entire time. Cool. Okay. Um, I stay connected. The trust fund stays connected to people who are in this world. The local homeless coordinating board um, serving the providers coming together who are serving the uh, people who are experiencing homelessness. The livable communities team, I'm on that, that's focused on senior housing. Johnson County Affordable Housing Coalition, serve on the board, we fund that organization. I have served as an officer in that organization. Iowa City Apartment Association, I own rental property and so I'm able to join this group and, and to make sure that rental <coughs> managers owners know about the issues related to housing that is affordable. I didn't know about this association. Yeah. Greater Iowa City Home Builders were members. The Agency Impact Coalition, it's kind of it's kind of needs a CPR or something, but they've asked me to, I'm not a member, but they've asked me to participate in certain topics. Um, the Iowa Housing Partnership, which Marianne was on the board of a statewide organization, and then Greater Iowa City Inc., which is the former chamber married to the Iowa City community area development now they're called the greater iowa city inc so tried to stay in touch with different things and i'm happy to answer questions now and later and this is how you get a hold of me this is how you find out about the trust fund what do you got i have a question what? how many staff does the housing trust fund have how many staff does one <laughs> you knew the answer to that <laughs> one <laughs> one fte <laughs> Well, I want to say thank you, first of all. Um, I, Marianne knows this. I, I've struggled this my entire uh, term on the commission to kind of learn about the housing side. I, I know other sides, but not the housing side. So it's very helpful. Um, uh, obviously, I know you made grants, but I didn't know all of this about you. So, And I just want to say I think you have the coolest job in the world. So. <laughs> I do, it, it, and it is ninety-two percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's always there's always something. But so, um, it, my question is more like uh, an awareness type of thing. And the reason why I'm asking is because you said that um, Inside Out had had 
you know, requested funds and uh, to put people into housing. And then you said, hey, did you ever think of doing your, which is very proactive in getting something going. And some of the things that I have in my mind that are concerning me uh, that are housing related are um, our population that was burned out near the river, um, people who can't get in, they have, they have the housing choice vouchers, correct? But they can't get in and um, so them. The other area are, are the um, <coughs> equity firms or investment firms that are buying up mobile home parks and then, you know, doubling lot rents and making it unaffordable. And then an article, and I apologize, I'm gonna try and find this article and send it to the staff because I had not heard of this. It was in Flint, Michigan. So I, I lived in Michigan for 30 years. And so because I, I Google a lot of stuff up there yet and I read a lot about what's going on, I, I'm, my news break must you know give me that. But a uh, firm, much as like by Mobile Home Park, bought, I believe it's something like 232 houses in Flint that were renter occupied and of course what they're going to be doing is flipping and charging more rent and i guess you know you're proactive on one hand with you know inside out and just wondering if if you have any ideas i mean these these are the kinds of problems that i worry about like how do people continue to afford you know whether it's um, you know, renters, friends that I know, um, my neighbors, I, I have rental in my neighborhood, whether it's my kids, you know, who rent. I get really concerned about that. And I'm just wondering if, if the Housing Trust Fund has maybe talked about some of those issues and if you have any ideas um, about that. And, and then I have another question before anybody else jumps in, but a really easy one, okay? okay. Well, we're like the bank. Uh, and so we have to sort of, stick to our business mm -hmm. we do advocate for many different kinds of things but we also feel like we need to walk a little bit of a fine line so we are happy to fund the johnson county affordable housing coalition which can talk about things. so they're the ones that might talk about might talk about things like deposits okay. where, uh, application fees i mean it, there's 17 issues application fees so you apply for something and you're turned down well they have your 50 bucks yep and you're never going to see that again um this whole new thing <coughs> about leases your lease they have words that they have carefully crafted with attorneys you make 12 equal payments they don't call it monthly rent you make 12 equal payments your your payments start on august 1st you will leave that apartment on july 15th I know all about this because yes. then it's like, okay, you're waiting for, for the inspection so that you can get in with your housing choice voucher, but where are you going to stay for yep. a week? Yep, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. there's so many issues with well, the mobile Well, but homes that gives me an answer. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's, is it Jessica? In, and Dino. And Dino. Um, she's the new director there, so I may contact her because it's something that I worry about. So this is the easy question. Okay, I like that. I think it's the easy question. I, I keep hearing about the tour. that yeah, The bus tour. Yes. Uh, are you doing it anymore? Is it well, something that we might be able to? It was to? amazing. Yeah. And Jessica and I started meeting in March, and we held it on October 2nd. So <coughs> it took work. It took a lot of work. 
she, if I plug my ears, she could tell you what it was like. But anyway, um, That's great. I want to have many of them. Um, it costs $2,000, and so we were fortunate to have a bank sponsor that. Um, and I suggested to Jessica that we try to pick a time when not all the city managers are at a convention. <laughs> it was <laughs> awful. All of them. <laughs> What's the bus tour? We took um, people to 15 properties, Coralville, North Liberty, Iowa City, uh, half the properties that the trust fund funded over the last five years, hmm. representing $5 million of investment and $70 million worth of housing. I mean, it was just incredible. And um, got to talk about housing all morning. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well. It sounds really cool. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but thanks, uh, Ellen. I I have learned a great amount tonight. Um, thanks so much for sharing it. We want to get back to the day when we have twice as people are asking for twice as much money as is available in each pot. We're not there. We're still in this COVID hangover thing. Like we have a million dollars in this round, and I don't know if anybody's going to turn in an application. <clears throat> wow. And that's mostly developers not being interested in building because of... I don't know what it is. It's, it's that. It's not-for-profits being overstressed. They can't think about how am I going to... How am I even going to go get a contractor? If I apply for money to rehab something, how am I going to get a contractor? Where am I going to find the time to get a contractor? A contractor who's going to do the work? Ew. Well, the, the projects also have to pencil out. So in Johnson County, the land is very, very expensive. There's not a lot of it. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, most funders won't fund a project that doesn't have city water and sewer. So, you know, that's a restriction. The expense, it has to pencil out. So for a rental project, for instance, you have to know what, how much you can charge for rent. And then, which means how much money you're gonna make and you gotta have reserves. And then can that pencil out with the money that you need to build the project? So it's, you know, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> <laughs> and the $200 LIHTC every year that you do with the city money has to be invested in Iowa City, In correct? Iowa City. Yeah. Right, so. as does the city of Iowa City money. Correct. Right, right, okay. Coralville and North Liberty, does that have, restricted in in their communities yes yes okay both of those communities put some of their arpa money up oh okay two hundred thousand from coraville and four hundred thousand from north liberty now marianne witnessed the whole thing did it take me a lot of meetings to hold their hand to to encourage them to <laughs> put their four hundred thousand dollars on the table yes well that's good and then marianne found somebody who is interested in and we and got a land deal so and i'm no longer with the trust fund by the way yes. so um is is coralville and north liberty contributing in that large of a degree a relatively new thing or coralville and they say that it's a regional problem <laughs> And Coralville puts in twenty-seven thousand, and North Liberty puts in twenty thousand. One of the best things uh, that I, Ellen mentioned, but is the revolving loan that the trust fund uh, implements, because 
I believe of the 27 trust funds in the state, there's only two, right, that have revolving loans. You should, well, I go in and present, and people say they use their trust fund money to tear down houses. Mm. I'm like, oh my God. You know, that's, they get 200,000 and they use it to tear down 10 houses because those 10 houses are making people uncomfortable because they're deteriorating. <laughs> so yeah. it's, yeah. It's a different world that we live in here. And it's because of the city and the county saying, we gotta do this, we gotta do this. Iowa Partnership, by the way, just did strategic planning. And one of the goals is for their lobbyists to, to lobby for doubling the amount of the trust fund money that the state allocates every year, doubling it. Our lobbyist is telling us that our money is not safe. Mm -hmm. So the existing funds are not safe, much less doubling. So. Well, it's worth a shot. doesn't hurt to ask. I know. Um, are the trust funds baseline like just a county? So there's only 27 counties nope. in Iowa that have, or is it just different regions being served? People could decide what kind of units they wanted to set up. So there's five county units. There's city of Dubuque has its own. Waterloo might have their own. So it's okay. very different. And, and so it can be bigger or smaller than correct. a single county. And these wise people chose a county, which works very well, I think. Hmm. Our money from the state is based on the ink, the poverty levels, the population levels. Yeah. The amount of money that we get. Correct. Okay. I am at your disposal should you have questions in the aftermath. Thank and you so much. We're going to keep on our parallel, keep putting money out there. Like United Action for Youth. I don't know. This is inappropriate. We funded, we offered them $380,000 of a forgivable loan. That's not enough. They need more. I think they're coming back or they got a piece or something. Is that for their, um, the kinder care nope. thing? No, nope. this is, was a eight apartments for transitional. Okay. Living. Yeah, so that was one that this commission funded last year with home funds, and we then gave they kind of the remaining. Uh, yeah, we, we gave them like a portion, and then I think the housing trust fund was pending at that time oh, on their okay. when we got their application. So it's yeah, exactly parallel, and it's really well, helpful to have the housing trust fund with the, you know, with our federal funds. It's been pretty stagnant on how much funding we get. It's not increasing over time at all. So it's helpful to, when I get questions about funding, to refer them over to Ellen, <laughs> especially if it's a really complicated project that would be terrible to do with federal funds. You can just pass well, That's good Ellen, to hear because I've, I've kind of wondered, you know, we didn't give them a whole lot. We kind of, you know, gave them something, I think, was the terminology we used. But that's good to know that they're getting more support from Housing Trust Fund and they're on their way. Yeah, and our, our housing rehab program as well. There's um, mobile home parks and other housing outside of Iowa City that we can't serve with our federal funding. We can't go past our municipal boundaries, so we're able to refer to their program, which is great to have that other resource for people. Sure. Well, and it's great that you're involved too in the decision making yeah. on you know what happens, so that you can come in to the trust fund and say, you know, well that's a home regulation or something, and mm -hmm. so. That's really good. Alrighty, thank you very much. And Ellen no, provides really good you. treats too. Treats? Treats. Oh, can we go in and see her at the office? <laughs> I have treats. You, you provide really good treats. I said, for meetings and stuff. Oh, meetings, yeah. 
Oh, I thought maybe tonight. we could just drop in and get some. So. <laughs> just got a candy. Where's your there. office? <laughs> <laughs> My office is in the basement of Old Brick. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah. Much. Thank you. yeah, thanks. And uh, you do an awfully lot. I didn't realize there was just one. There's one. Well, I, I had a quarter time person there for a while. Ellen's been in the community for a long time. Doing, yeah, a lot of good work. Uh, oh, I know she was. I read her name in lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, she used to be the director of the crisis center way back. And, 1990. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I knew her name. Thanks, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm up next. Uh, agenda number five is the introduction to the consolidated uh, planning process, otherwise known as the city steps. All right, so we had a kind of light agenda for today, so we thought we'd introduce you just a really quick introduction to our consolidated planning process before we get into our kind of more intense allocation process this winter. Um, so if you've been on HD for a little while, you've seen some of our plans come through, like our annual action plan, which we do at the beginning of the funding year with all of our projects outlined, kind of identifying what we're going to spend our money on for the year. And then we have our caper at the end of the fiscal year, which um, outlines what we did, if we met our goals and that type of thing. And both of these annual plans tie back to our consolidated plan. And so we're required to complete a five-year consolidated plan which we have been calling city steps so if we keep that name I don't know if we will I assume we will it'll be city steps 2030 that we'll be working on and um, that's designed to help the city assess our affordable housing and community development needs and market conditions so that we can make data-driven and place-based investment decisions with the money that Iowa City receives from HUD annually so this is our largest planning process that we do for community development. And it's really important because it's how it will shape how we use our funding for the next five years. Um, we, we hire a consultant to help us with this process. Um, we'll, we're trying to start that right now. We just don't have time. But this winter, we will put the, out the RFP for a consultant to help us with this. Um, if you're interested, you can go online and review our current consolidated plan. It's on our website. Um, just if you're interested in taking a look at the document. Um, the elements of the plan, um, the first part is consultation, so that's um, the public participation aspect of it. Uh, we do a needs assessment, which is the demographic data. We do a housing market analysis, and then that's all taken and put into a strategic plan, which sets the priorities for the funding. And so the planning process has pretty substantial public input. Last time we did a community-wide survey and then a targeted survey to agencies. And then when our consultant came to visit, we did three days of facilitated stakeholder meetings. Um, and then we held our regular public meetings that we always do at HCDC and council. Um, one of those stakeholder sessions was here at the HCDC meeting, so you all have an opportunity for input on this at our regular meeting. I assume we'll do that again. Um, when we did the facilitated stakeholder sessions, we had different categories. They were open to the public so anyone could attend, and then we tried to hit certain populations as well. Um, the categories that we had last time were workforce development, housing affordability and equity, housing for those in crisis, public facilities and services, preserving affordable housing, 
asset building in neighborhoods and healthy homes in neighborhoods. And again, they're open to, pub to the public. They're all in person because this was pre-COVID. Um, so anyone could come and just provide input. And we had to, our consultant was kind of a facilitator with questions and that type of thing. Did you find that there was um, adequate, or I'm not, I'm not gonna say adequate, a, a good participation from the community? Um, so what I recall is we had we had a good turnout. Um, a lot of it tends to be like when we do things like this, it tends to be service providers, which is important, but also we try to get input from actual residents who are utilizing the services as well. So I think um, this year, um, well, we always work with our consultant, but internally we have our human rights department and our communications department. They kind of help us figure out who to connect with with the process. Um, I think Sometimes organizations have uh, client input um, committees or <coughs> boards, um, which uh, at, when I when I left my organization, um, ours was a couple of years old with people receiving services, and it might be something you might be able to tap into to see if you could get some client input. It's not easy um, getting that, so if you could tap into something that's already existing, yeah. that's a possibility. Yeah, definitely. When we did, um, I think it was for the ARPA funding, when we were getting public input for that, we would go to like um, communities, um, food bank at Pepperwood, where people were already there and see if, you know, if they have a minute to just give us a little input on their way out. So we try to try to go to where people already mm -hmm, are there, mm -hmm. make it more convenient. Um, so I don't know if I mentioned this, but I expect that next summer will be the actual public input process. Um, things we're doing right now is creating just a stakeholder list of who we want, whose voice we want to hear, what agencies we want to connect with. Um, a lot of turnover agencies in the past five years, so we want to update that. Um, if you have recommendations of places or agencies you think we should connect with or good ideas of where we can get public input, we're really open to that. Um, we'll want to hear from you all as well. Um, I think you could, should connect with AIC. Sure, um, yeah. I think that would be, um, you know, I mean, I, 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 Ellen wasn't, when she said they kind of need CPR, I think that's true. Um, they, um, I think that part of the problem is they don't always operate in a straightforward line is because they, it, the members are, are CEOs and executive directors who are also very busy in their own jobs and they get hit all the time too. But, but you know, at least for the, what I'm working on, you know, in the subcommittee of this group, um, you know, I've been able to work through them to, you know, get the input and the poll, and, and they seem to respond to, this is where we need your help. You know, they'll, they'll come together for that. So that would be my recommendation as you sure. work with AIC. Yeah, we certainly have all those um, agency, all the legacy agencies, yeah. and everyone we, we fund will be um, part of that, at least invited um, if they're interested. But it, I think it's also important to hear from the, the type of non-legacy agencies that um, applies for emerging funds because I, um, I just, I do think that there's, I hate the labels. I've told, said that so many times. I hate the labels that you have to be this in order to get this, but becoming that was kind of a weird process too. So, mm -hmm. so I think it's important to hear from those um, sure. smaller organizations. Yeah, I think it will be a, a broad okay. cast of the net for that. Um, so yeah, so when, when we get to it and we're ready to get public input, we'll be asking you guys to kind of help us spread the word about that. Um, 
you know, it's open to the public. The more people we can get to bring input, the better our plan will be. Um, so that's kind of all I have. I just kind of wanted to go over what to expect for the upcoming year. It's our big planning process. Um, once we get all that public input, it's all compiled and incorporated into the plan along with the data that's collected. And so it's kind of like our other plans where we, they put the plan together and then we bring it to HCDC and you review it and you re make the recommendation to council and they approve and then we send it to HUD. So um, yeah, so that will be happening. after it's approved by HUD, then it becomes part of the greater, uh, what is it, city steps? Then it's, yep. Yep, so then um, each year we kind of work to meet those goals through our action plan, through all the projects that you guys fund. We're working, you know, incrementally to reach the big goals that we set in this process. Did I hear you say that we would be working on the 2023? 2030. Oh, 2030. Yeah, so 2025 to 2030 is kind of the time frame. Well, that makes more sense yeah. to me. I was wondering, <laughs> what? Okay. I might have misspoke, but no, 2030. You said 2030. Probably didn't. <laughs> That's all I got. If you have any questions, let us know. There'll be more to come on that. And up next, agenda item number six, uh, staff and commission updates. Are there any updates? Um, I'll just say that we, we had a subcommittee meeting on Monday, um, but um, I've been too busy this week to, to get notes and stuff, but we'll include them in next agenda packet. It was a great meeting, so. Um, and I think I'm on a good timeline to report, make a report to you guys in January, like I'm supposed to, so. <laughs> Um, just a couple updates from us. So we have two or had two vacancies on HCDC. Council appointed someone and that person had to resign right away because they had moved outside of Iowa City in the time between when they applied and when they were appointed. So um, they appointed someone earlier this week, Tuesday, and I'm waiting to confirm with them, um, make sure they're still interested. And then there's uh, one vacancy still posted. So We haven't lost anybody since last month. Not yet, unless anyone has any other announcements. <laughs> Can't leave James, so. Nope. Uh, the only other thing I have is our next meeting is November 16th, so Shelter House will be coming to do that presentation on street outreach, and then we'll also be approving the application materials for CDBG and Home already, um, and we'll be looking at the Emerging Aid to Agencies application materials too. So that round will open in at the end of December and run through January. Thanks for putting all these presentations together. It's been really, really great. Yeah, it has. Yeah. It's really helpful to hear. Yeah, there's a lot going on in Iowa City. A lot of activity. And agenda item number seven. I may have a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? <laughs>